Before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you our annual NBA opening night doubleheader. That's Wednesday, October 20th. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics are at Madison Square Garden to take on Julius Randle, former Celtic Kemba Walker, yay, and the Knicks at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Then it's our primetime West Coast game with reigning MVP Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in Phoenix squaring off against Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns last season's Western Conference champs. Two great matchups to tip off the NBA season on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Emily Kaplan, I'm Linda Cohn in the crease. You know, Emily, every time I start this thing, I'm like, what's the right tone? What should I be saying? What should uh, you be saying? Who should start it? And then I just say, you know what? Let's just have a conversation. So my goodness. No, it's just true. There's so many podcasts out there. Everyone and their mother has a podcast. I think there's every true. different way to do it. Before we get into uh, my experiences in between the benches, as I made my debut in that little square, trying not to make a fool of myself and get <laughs> hit by a puck, we're going to talk about some hard breaking news, which as we uh, talk at this moment, he's in the news again, folks. It's Evander Kane. I'm going to toss it over to you, the Sharks forward who has yet to take the ice for the Sharks. And the NHL has made a decision. Yeah, so he's going to be suspended 21 games for what the league says is violating the COVID protocols. What I'm told happened is that Vander Kane produced a fake vaccination card. Um, This is how the league is handling it. Um, Now the Sharks, they were waiting to see what the league would do. Technically, he'll be welcome back from the Sharks in that time. So we'll see what happens there. The other note, though, is that the league says it wasn't able to substantiate the claims of domestic assault made by Deanna Kane. I'm told that she, again, did not interview with the league. They don't punish things based off of solely what's said in social media, solely what's in a court filing. They like to do their own due diligence because this is, again, a league without its own domestic violence policy. It handles things on a case-by-case basis. So that's where we landed with it. Yeah, 21 games, uh, fair or not fair, that you break the rule, that's what you get. It's uh, sending a statement by the league. You can't, can't do that. You can't do that in real life. You can't do that in the NHL. That's a quarter of the NHL season uh, for Evander Kane that he is going to miss. I do the math. There's 82 games, 21. Okay. Did I do the math correctly, Emily? You did, but I'm also really bad at math, so I'm probably not the person you should fact check with. <laughs> okay, so, you know, the Sharks, you know, have, I feel like when I was watching their game the other night, the one in which they won, uh, there was their uh, debut there on Saturday, I believe it was. Uh, you know, they look good. Like, they just moved on from it. Um, will they welcome Evander Kane back? I think it's going to be a process. Of course, they have to. He's not going anywhere. Uh, they, they're just going to have to figure it out. Uh, the, I'm not going to tell and uh, suggest the way Evander Kane should act, but uh, if I'm him, I'm doing my best to get along with my teammates and off the ice and on, and then on the ice, make a huge impact, meaning score a lot of goals. So maybe the team will trade you. Yeah. Well, you know, Linda, the hard thing about this is that 
the Sharks as a team want to move on. There's a lot of players who are kind of just sick of all of the yeah. drama that follows around Evander Kane, quite frankly. Everyone I talk to him just says he can't help but get in his own way. It seems to happen again and again. And this is a team that's going through its own transition. This is the first year since 1998 that it didn't have Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe on the roster. Those are like two big dominating voices they're trying to change this thing. They're trying to retool on the fly. And it's hard when you have this big lingering story. And that's exactly what Evander Kane is. So um, I, I feel for those in the organization because they wanted some clarity. They have it, but they still have an Evander Kane problem. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. Enough about Evander Kane. Um, I want to talk about Nikita Kucherov. Uh, here we go again this time. It looks like it's a groin injury and it doesn't look good, as the head coach John Cooper said. So it's going to be a while before Kucherov returns. Emily, we all know what happened last year. He missed the entire regular season having hip surgery and recovering from it. And then he comes back just in time for the playoffs. I'm laughing, but it was like, uh, if he didn't come back, the Lightning would not have uh, repeated as Stanley Cup champion. We all know the points he put up by now. It's well documented. He was just simply amazing. And, you know, I hear the jokes. There's I read the jokes on Twitter, social media, ripping the Lightning organization. What do you think they plan this guy to have a groin injury or whatever the heck this is, that he's going to be out for an extended amount of time? You think, okay, we're superstitious. It worked last year. We didn't have our best player for the entire season. Let's kind of pray and hope that this happens again to our star player. So, you know, we can win another Stanley Cup. I mean, come on. No, it's honestly the conspiracy theorist. It's fun. And I like talking about it because it's silly and it's funny, but like, these are real human beings in real situations. And like you said, no one would want to put themselves through this. This is another huge headache for GM Julian Brisbois. The truth is he built a team that is so deep that they were able to withstand Nikita Kucherov's absence last year. <laughs> Seriously, like that's a testament to him and they should be applauded for that, not punished for it. But are they as deep this year? See, they're not. Yeah. So look, they had to lose that entire third line, which is obviously a bummer. They lost Tyler Johnson. They did pick up, though, like Pierre-Edward Belmare, who's a very good defensive player, and Corey Perry, who's now top line winger for them. I mean, the funny thing about Corey Perry is that everybody thinks of him as this big pest now, and he is. But he won the scoring title in his career. Like, this is a guy that has a knack for the net. Um but they do have to figure out some prospects coming in. Boris Kachuk is someone that you're going to hear a lot about. Really interesting kid. They're really high on him. Simon Refors, that's a kid they signed from Sweden. He started the year with their AHL team. I would expect him to get some looks. They did lose Alex Barre-Boulet. He is a loss. I think they were kind of concerned about his skating. So I'm not so uh Sure, if that's a huge loss for them, obviously he was good enough to get snatched up right away. But the truth is, it's just adversity they have to deal with again, and they can deal with it. It's just not ideal. And I also feel for Nikita because last year wasn't fun or easy for him. Obviously, we saw him at the end in the playoffs, but like it's not fun to be sidelined, and you don't want to be rehabbing the entire hockey season. Yeah, and I'll tell you, as long as we're talking about the Lightning and their depth, what the heck's going on with Andre Vasilevsky? I know he rebounded from the opener, but I still think he could play better in net. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to worry. But, you know, I always have my eye on the goaltenders. We'll see what happens. And guess who they play? Florida. Uh, And so the Panthers are already like hyped up, ready. I mean, they're off to a good start. They're backing up all the big predictions. I know it's a small sample size, Emily, but they're back. You know, I'm one of those people. I think you are as well that picked them to win in the Atlantic division. I did, but um, and I'm not alone. So, uh, so far, so good. They look great against the Islanders. Uh, So they got a big game against their arch rivals. We saw even in the preseason, if you remember, 
they were like going at it like it was like game seven again, you know, type of situation. But so that's going to be something worth watching. But back to Kucherov, come on, people. I mean, back off. It's not a conspiracy. They're not doing this on purpose. I feel for the guy as well. He's their best player. But thank goodness for the captain, Steven Stamkos. Oh, he's stepping up. He's been great. He's coming up with multiple point games. He looks like Connor McDavid out there. You know, is he going to break the 150 point plateau this year? So, uh, you know, and, and you know what's funny about yeah, that? Yeah. What's funny about it? I'm serious about it. I'll tell you what's funny is that like after the season last year, I started to hear some rumblings, like maybe this is it for Stamkos. His body has been through so much, yeah. like maybe he's going to hang up the skates. And then all of a sudden we saw him at media tour and he was rejuvenated and we see him on the ice and he looks fantastic. So whoever was spreading those rumors, like either they were unfounded or he quickly found the fountain of youth. Maybe it's because he's doing the TB12 method. Who's to say? Uh, I would say that's probably the reason why. Plus he's having fun. You know, that's the other mm. thing. Um, what I learned from my, uh, you know, being up close and personal, let's say with the team, because I was with them on Friday with the Anaheim Ducks. Yes, I'll get to my experiences in between the benches, but I want to make a comparison here. And I've been noticing you can make a case with a couple of these West Coast teams, not only with the Ducks, but with the Kings. But it's, uh, I feel like the younger blood, the young guns have rejuvenated the old guys. And Dallas Aikens, a great guy that, you know, the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, gave me this super great analogy before the game against Minnesota the other day that I covered. And the fact that he goes, you know what, Linda, he goes. It's like when you have an old dog and then you bring a couple of puppies into your home and all the puppies want to do is play and have fun and let me chase the ball and let me do this. And they're nonstop. And then that old dog in the corner is like, wait, I remember what that was like. Yeah. Hey, I want to play too. And that's what is going on with teams like the Anaheim Ducks or teams that are, and you could say that in the, for a little bit with the LA Kings. The young guys look at Kopitar off to this amazing start. I'm not giving it all the credit to the young players that are integrated into a lineup of veterans, but I do say it's a great analogy and anything with dogs, I understand. I was about to say, there's a reason that analogy hit so hard with you. He clearly knew his audience. Linda, we need to look in the standings right now because there was a period this weekend where the Buffalo Sabres were leading the NHL. The Pittsburgh Penguins are on top. The Vancouver Canucks were also doing quite well. What is going on early in the season? Did you take a picture of when the Buffalo Sabres had the best record for that one moment? I did not. Okay, I wish I, I did, did as well. Uh, I think it's refreshing. It's only two games. You forgot Columbus. They're 2-0. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm so sorry. That's Columbus. really, and by the way, bad news for Columbus, uh, rib fracture for Max Domi. He was off to a really good start, really loves being in Columbus. And now he's going to be out like two to four weeks. So that stinks for them, but getting back to these unexpected, you know, you know, starts. Yes. How about the penguins? How about the penguins who are all burying already? And they, again, still don't have Crosby and Malkin. We know all the injuries guys like Danton Heinen are stepping up former duck. Who I was nothing. about to say, that is a great case of the youngsters, like adding that bit of energy. Yes. Drew O'Connor is another guy that I think was buzzing during camp. I've heard really good things about him. He comes in with speed, with hunger, and like all of a sudden it's rejuvenating the Jeff Carters, the number one centers of the world. Exactly. Right. I don't think this is going to continue, but if they can, these teams can stay around 500, that's a major win. That's a major victory. I don't even see that happening, uh, sadly for them. But, uh, you know, Buffalo, I think of all the teams we just mentioned of being 2-0, and as we speak, Emily, Buffalo to me is, for obvious reasons, the biggest surprise 
uh, for sure. And their goaltending has been solid. Uh, I mean, Tokarski and Anderson, both coming through uh, there with victories. I think a couple of uh, real downers for me. One of them is, uh, I know I was in the minority, but a team that you know quite well because you live in the city, the Chicago Blackhawks. You know I picked them to make the playoffs. I know it's only been a few games, but it broke my heart to see the look of just sadness on the face of Marc-Andre Fleury after he was pulled in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, after just, it was just a disaster. It reminded me again, different level of playing, but whatever, if you've ever played sports and you've ever had that feeling of want to get away, I've been there, but to see that at a Marc-Andre Fleury in Pittsburgh, um, you know, and it's just been a disaster. Uh, it's just been a disastrous transition for him, you know, from Vegas to Chicago so far. And this just in their back line their defense, they've been exposed. And sadly, the victim is Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, the defense has not been helping him out a bit. I don't expect Seth Jones to always be as bad, this bad. I think there's a transition period. We need to give him some grace. I mean, he was playing with Zach Wierenski pretty much his entire career. Transitioning from that, another really solid, stable, number one defenseman in his own right to a new situation just takes time and a new, you know, expectations and a new system. Um, But, you know, like the Tyler Johnson at center is just not working. Um, You know, they already bumped him down to weighing down the lineup. You see them, they're trying to trade Dylan Strom. They don't have resolution there. So there's a lot up in the air in Chicago right now. And you have to think when, when do they cut the cord on Jeremy Colleton? Like usually in the NHL, we hear like by American Thanksgiving, or some people say by November 1st, if you're not in playoff position, it's really hard to overcome it or you know what your team is. But I almost wonder if this is a case to compare considering all of the money they put in this off season and how much they really have expedited this rebuild. Yeah. If Stan does try to pull the board court at the same time, does Stan get to hire another head coach? Like Jeremy Colleton was his choice. Maybe he's a goner too, but probably not. But the situation is it's something again, worth watching. I'm disappointed. Small sample size. I'm not panicking. You know what team I'm also not panicking about Islander fans. All right. You're Owen too. Mm. You just stop. Don't worry. Don't panic. I mean, it's going to be great. You're going to be fine. I know you're playing 13 games on the road before the heck you can get into the UBS arena. It'll be worth waiting for. But I think your next three games are all winnable games. You play like Arizona. Uh, there's a couple other ones that you play that you should win all three. But even if you take two or three, all you had to do, and I said this before, Emily, about the Islanders, during this 13-game road trip to start your season, all you have to do is tread water. All you have to do is go be around the 500 mark. You're too good to fail. Uh, it's going to be fine being 0-2. Now, Montreal, when we speak 0-3, not shocking to me, not shocking. A lot of people are stunned uh, because, believe it or not, if we recall, again, different situation last year. All they played was Canadian teams, but they had no trouble putting the puck in the net last year. They are, like, so offensively challenged so far through the first three games. Thank goodness for Jonathan Drouin. Yes, great story, coming back from all those anxiety issues. That is the only positive, and Jake Allen playing well, but that is the only positive I see from Montreal, but I am totally, totally uh, not surprised about their uh, bad start. And I mean, my thing with Montreal is like when you change that much DNA of your team, when you don't have Carey Price, you don't have Shea Weber, you don't have Philip Deneau, like those are three of the most important players in their Stanley Cup final run. So if you take that out of the locker room, of course, the chemistry is just going to be different and the production is going to be different. Yeah. And getting back to your point of like, when do you really start to panic? Is it American Thanksgiving? Is it the first of November? 
I would say November sometime, somewhere. And so that's why I'm like, ah, okay, Nashville's 0-2. I saw that coming. You know, a lot of the teams either going to figure it out by November or they're not going to figure it out. And then it'll kind of like just filter out, okay, who's going to bounce back? That's the question. We know the Islanders are going to bounce back from bad start. Not sure about Montreal. Uh, Chicago, I... I'm still not going to be, I'm not going to be a total you know, hypocrite and jump off the They're wagon. a streaky team too. Over the last couple of years, they always go on these type of runs. Plus they always got off to bad starts, you know, yeah. even, even, you know, and I think it's just, you can't underestimate this whole transition when you move to a new team. I, I kind of said before, I am so pumped up for Connor McDavid. This guy, I, I still don't think we're going to see the best. We haven't seen the best of Connor McDavid yet. If that's hard to believe, he is already on an amazing start with his team. Uh, you know, I really believe he's going to break the 150 point plateau in these 82 games season, obviously barring injury, knock on wood, hopefully he stays healthy, uh, but they're off to a great start. So far, Mike Smith has stunned me. He's been really good in goal, uh, but they really, maybe it's the Zach Hyman thing. Maybe they got some guys in there that, you know, can put be the glue, right, Emily? be the glue on a team and, and not that Zach Hyman has won 5,000 Stanley cups, but he's a tough kind of character. He's one of those gritty gutty players that the Oilers needed. No, you're so right there. A couple other teams I want to touch on the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. They don't have the game breakers, but they've got enough guys that can put the puck in the net and their forecheck is going to give team fits this year. They're clearly a team that is like, full on invested of this is how we're going to get goals and just be a high energy team. So I keep my eye on them as like a team that's probably going to have the results that we've seen so far, hang with teams in games, maybe not win those overtime. Um, by the way, the overtime winner by Patrick Lina, he's back. I hope His swag so. is back. Yeah. You know, I, it's this swag that's back that that's like for him, he's the type of player who's so emotional that if it's not going right from off the ice, it's not going to go right from on the ice and seeing him walk out of that building with like his yellow beanie and his yellow sunglasses <laughs> and just vibing. I was like, Oh, line is back. Yell. All right. I missed that pick. I'm not on TikTok. What? So yellow beanie. Okay. It wasn't on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. Because if he was going to dance with the yellow glasses and the yellow beanie, then well, you saw that turtleneck and like, 80s vibey sunglasses he wore like Miami Vice into the arena that's cool I like that I, you know again what do we talk about personalities right one of our earlier yeah. episodes that's a situation and who needs attention Columbus Patrick Line. where is he who does he play for Columbus yeah they're off to a good start but that's the kind of thing you have to put out there and talk about I'm glad you brought that up Another thing that like happened with personality. How about Jack Hughes Love scoring it. the overtime our, winner that's our and guy. tossing his stick into the stands? Swag. I absolutely loved it. It was such confidence. It was such entertainment. Um, and there, I saw some people say, oh, that's dangerous. No, it oh, wasn't gosh. dangerous. It was a soft lob. Oh, These are the things gosh. that engage his fans and get them excited about the game. Why is it dangerous? Aren't they paying attention to what's going on on the ice? If you're a fan... And if you're close enough so Jack Hughes can reach you with his hockey stick, you should be paying attention. And by the way, we love Jack Hughes and I love Jack Hughes, friend of our podcast. Uh, we knew it. he told us he was going to have a big year. He told us he was going to build on last year. Uh, we talked about it before. Uh, the Devils are indeed a sneaky pick. How about Dougie Hamilton making his presence felt in New Jersey? You know, scores like 15 seconds into the game as soon as he touched the puck. Uh, I mean, Hey, you know, um, 
I grew up a Rangers fan. You grew up a Rangers fan. It's not in our DNA to root for the Devils. But this team is so likable that uh, they're a fun group led by Jack Hughes. And I think he's ready to go that next step. People are waiting for that. Everyone's talking about Nico Heischer. You know, maybe Nico doesn't want all that pressure, but Jack Hughes can handle the pressure. Do you know who can handle the pressure? You, because you rocked it during the Between the Benches, Linda. Can we talk about it? How did it go for you? Oh my gosh. First of all, thank you, Emily. Let me tell you something. Uh, fun, fun, probably TMI here. Fun story though. So I was so, uh, I, I, okay. The two issues, if you listen to our previous uh, episode, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Emily. It was all about, okay, what do I wear? So I'm not freezing my butt off uh, in the box there, in between the benches. That was a big concern for me. And I know people are like, oh, Linda, don't be soft. Uh, stop it, all right? I'm in that thing for like almost four hours if you count rehearsal and everything else. But the point is, it was perfect. I found out some intel, Emily. So if you ever get to go to the pond and be in between the benches in that arena, it is one of the warmest arenas around the NHL. So that was, I think, Sarah Oleski of Minnesota, the, who covers the wild. Why? Because you would think in California they would need to pump the air. I, I hear you. But I would, I, the, what was cold the most were my, my, my feet got cold because um, I wasn't as prepared. I had comfy sneakers, had a couple of layers of socks, even my hockey socks. I thought, what a great idea. I'm going to wear my hockey socks that I wear, but they're thin, but they're warm that I wear for my goalie skates. I thought this is going to keep me warm. And then I put an, uh, another pair of socks over it. The second pair of socks were not as warm to wear with sneakers, but I'll figure that out. So I survived that. The other thing that's put under the heading of TMI, I was so concerned about, oh my goodness. I mean, how am I, you know, I drink coffee and water all the time. So I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Problem is you can't go to the bathroom. I know we talked about this. And the reason why I bring this up is because for me to wean myself off of coffee at 10 a.m. that morning, I just stopped drinking it at 10 a.m., which is rare, unheard of. Then I stopped drinking water at 3 p.m. and only took a couple of sips while I was in between the benches. Linda, you're correct. This is TMI. I know. (laughs) But this was, you know, the average human are like, Linda, especially people, my own daughter is like, wow, that's amazing, mom. <laughs> it is pretty incredible. Continue, continue. Okay. I'm, I'm, invested. Right. I'm invested. Okay, good. Uh, so yes, I survived it. Um, I didn't get hit by a puck, which, you know, listen, I'm a goalie. I had great reflexes. I wasn't worried about it. What was the most interesting thing you heard? Uh, the most interesting, well, here's the thing with the stupid plexiglass on both sides of us, it's hard to hear things. What I really, you. what I really enjoyed um, was the, um, how do I say this? When you can't hear something, then you start noticing the body language, right, Emily? You know, we're both mm-hmm. in that situation when you're in between the benches and you can't hear things because I was that nosy neighbor. I tried to lean over, okay, when play was not resumed. I tried to lean over to get around the glass without being that nosy neighbor, still couldn't hear anything. And I took the headphones off a little bit. I took it away from one ear. Well, but it's I, hard. It's hard, but I noticed the body language. And, and so that was a, a, a big point in one of my reports when Kirill Kaprizov came off the ice and he missed a golden opportunity to score and he was really dejected and he had like a little boy sulking. And I said, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and then, then I spoke about how he's standing up on the bench. He was like a little kid it would take two minute shifts if he could. He's, he wants to be out on the ice all the time. So that's what you do. And you know that already, Emily. That I love that because that like brings him to life as a player. Like I get his story hearing that. Right. And so there were many cool things and just having a chance to, uh, you know, talk to all the players before the game. And then I uh, did a little pound with my buddy, Kevin Shattenkirk, 
uh, you know, he and Ryan Getzloff was happy to see me. So guys that I knew from the Ducks and then, you know, the Wild were great. Talk to, you know, Matt Zuccarello. I mean, I have so many great stories. Emily, you are the storyteller. You know what I'm talking about. So I, it went great. I can't wait for the next time, which by the way, won't be until November 2nd back in Anaheim when the devils come to town. So I will revisit Jack Hughes and everybody else and Dougie Hamilton, all those guys. I'm excited for that. But I was going to tell you, Emily, we are pumped up. You mentioned Seattle and the Kraken before. We will be there for the home opener. That's taking place, of course, this Saturday night. We'll both be there. You will be between the benches. So you'll, you'll bring your thermometer and you will tell me how cold is it down there? Because I will be up with Kevin Weeks uh, doing hosting intermissions. So it's a different vibe, different temperature. I can't wait to see you in action in Seattle. But you're going to be in action before Saturday. You're going to be pretty busy Tuesday. I got a home game. I get to go to the United Center between the benches. Blackhawks Islanders. I don't have to go anywhere. Just send the Uber down the street. So I'm really pumped about that. Yeah. I'll find out. And by the time you listen to this, either the Blackhawks or the Islanders will have had a win. So that's exciting stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. So that's and, and the best part, you don't have to get on a plane, which to me was great about going to Anaheim. I got in my car. I drove an hour. It was fantastic. And so that's awesome as well. And now we're welcomed by a guy who has gone by Puck Daddy for a lot of his career. I guess we just got to get into it. Greg Wyshynski. Do you still like to be called Puck Daddy? Like, what's your relationship with that name? So if I've, I, I was hoping it would be like Doctor Who or James Bond, where others would become Puck Daddy after I left the blog. Aww. But it never worked out that way. But no one wanted to take was, on Puck Daddy? No, I don't think anyone could take on. Oh, Puck Daddy I see, anyway. I see, I see. No, but I think I think the, the beautiful thing, though, is that since I have now carved out a second career as a hockey betting prognosticator on Daily Wager, they have resurrected that name. It's like my moniker, my alter ego when I go on Daily Wager, when the Puck Daddy arrives to give out his his big winners that he, okay. uh, as, as, as Emily knows from past experience, that we, we figure out uh, uh, five minutes before hitting airtime. Yeah. What, uh, well, I was just going to tell you, Greg, I mean, is the secret, you know, we all know, you know, we have uh, come a time where we threw a few shekels on NFL games, but I always mm-hmm. felt hockey mm-hmm. games, not that I would go there, but um, are tough to bet on, tough to predict what is the secret well the secret is trying to find the teams like the new york islanders that always have low scoring games (laughs) and then betting the under and feeling really smart about it no actually i I put out a betting guide to the nhl earlier this season um and it's kind of a cool thing that there are so many different ways to bet on the sport now that it's not simply just like the money line or the puck line or over unders um i know emily is a huge fan of the shot total uh prop for players to uh, wager whether or not they get over a certain amount of shots on goal. Um, there's there's a number of different ways to kind of approach it. My favorite thing is the team total, which is a, a really easy thing to bet. It's basically how many goals do you think the team is going to score in this game? And usually it's going to be three and a half or two and a half, depending on who's favorite in the game. And you don't have to worry about what the other team does as far as scoring enough goals to get over the over-under. You just basically bet on one team and say, hey, I think the Lightning are going to score four goals tonight. And guess what, friends? They usually do. So it's a good it's a good place to go. It's funny. We didn't really have a game plan for what we wanted to chat you with, but let's just ask for betting advice yeah, this entire fantastic. time. I feel like this is the best use of our time, all of us. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it, first of all, it, it's funny. Like I've done wager a couple of times early in the season and just like, 
what are we even talking about? You know, like the Buffalo Sabres, they're, they're going to win the cup really in the season. So, you know, really, really smart to start throwing your money around on games at this point, because everything is very predictable. Um, no, I, you know, I, like I said, you know, there are a few wagers that I think are very interesting. Um, take, for example, the one I, the best that I had on opening, uh, one of the opening nights, which was uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, you can bet on whether or not Connor McDavid gets a certain amount of points in a game. And I was stunned to find out that that actually was not all that much to the point where you could actually like make some money on it if you bet on it. So you, you take the over on that. And, and so the thing about hockey wagering that's really cool right now is that there are a multitude of different bets, a multitude of different entry points. And it's only to get more exciting when we get more uh, in, input data from this fucking player tracking. The NHL has a, a rights deal with several different sports books where they're going to have access to this data that's generated by the player tracking technology, which means that on top of betting, you know, the over-under, on top of betting who's going to win the game, you're going to be able to bet on, like, who skates the furthest distance, Leon Dreisaitl or Nathan You McKinney. know I love a good player pop, Greg. Absolutely. Oh it's going God. to be so this- cool. And then and the, other, <laughs> the other thing that I really want is betting in the three-on-three overtime. Like, I feel like that is such a thing. I want it to be – I want us to get to a place as hockey fans – with the minute it goes to three on three overtime, everybody's pushing their chips Lock in. Better. Get your bets in before yep. the puck drops. Oh my God, it'd be so much fun. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I have, do you feel, Greg, that like th- there's now popularity? Like people are like, you know, they're seeing you obviously on Daily Wager, but you know, they're like, you, the more people you talk with, they're really into it. Like, hey, I wasn't even into hockey and now I'm betting on hockey games. Well, first of all, it's two, two separate questions. My popularity as a, as a betting guru has grown. I get I get slacks from people. See? I'm not going to say from who. I knew it. Saying, hey, who do you like tonight? And of course, out of the kindness of my heart as a good coworker, I might let slip who I'm looking at. You know, just Hey, Greg, Greg, that was me. But don't right. tell anybody. That was <laughs> Linda, you're not on Slack, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that you, to answer your question, though, is that I always feel like there have been entry points to hockey that are a bit underrated, like the video game entry point. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I was in college, I was never really a big international soccer fan, but then my roommate introduced me to the wonderful world of FIFA on PlayStation. And then I got into soccer that way. I feel like a lot of people got into hockey by playing the NHL video games on different platforms growing up. I think betting is the same way. Like no disrespect to like college basketball fans. But chances are you're probably watching, you know, that Hofstra game in in March because there's money involved. You know, like it's probably because you have money on the game. And to have that as being part of the hockey experience, in particular for the Stanley Cup playoffs, for example, where the NHL has tried to get people more into getting into like betting the brackets by not having receding and the whole thing. I do think that it is an entry point for fans to get into hockey. And the coolest thing about right now is that it is an entry point where there actually are scoring events that happen in these games. You know, I think it's pretty hard to like say, hey, everybody go bet on hockey when it's the 1990s and every game is one nothing and Marty Bredorsi's nine shots a night. But now we got scoring. You admitted it. You know, I do admit (laughs) it. It was the death of hockey for a while, but I got three cups out of it. But now we got scoring and the whole thing. And and so it's very exciting. And I think it's an exciting time to, to have people, you know, go ahead and start wagering on these games. Okay. Well, there was one thing I did say I did come in with no agenda, but I had one agenda item. Um, Greg, you covered the Washington Capitals early in your career. It was the early OV era. You were there for opening night, which was supposed to be a melee and it just turned into an OV <laughs> love fest. 
Um, but, you know, in talking to people around that organization and being there for a couple of days, what's your vibe on this team right now? Are they washed? You know, I, I, they don't think they're washed. I think I, no I team they were thinks washed. they're washed. Even the, well, the San Jose Sharks don't think they're washed. What it comes down to it is that I think a lot of us looked at the Penguins and the Capitals and we said to ourselves, all right, which one of these teams is going to have their window slammed yep. this, this year? And I was team Capitals window slam. I was like, this team's going to miss the playoffs. Then I go see them on opening night and they just beat the living crap out of the Rangers for three periods. And I'm like, boy, did I back the wrong horse? Um, no, they don't think they're washed. They think they have a legit shot at making the playoffs. I think that they are looking to improve their team going forward with the idea of getting to the playoffs and trying to make another run with this group. Um, I think it's very exciting that Ovechkin looks as engaged and energized and effective as he's been in these first couple of games. And the fact that they've been able to find success without Nick Backstrom in the lineup, I think is also encouraging too. The one person I find fascinating, and I think both of you do too, is you get, you're getting his nets off. Um, the idea that I heard from a lot of people around the team when I was there, that he came into camp looking good, very focused, um, trying to make amends. No, I, obviously we all know what happened with him last year. And there was a lot of off the ice problems in the last couple of years. And I, from what I gather, there's a level of embarrassment about the way that his career has gone and, and the way that things have gone with him vis-a-vis the Capitals. So the idea of him being uh, more engaged and wanting to kind of prove people wrong, I think is a very encouraging sign because that dude is like mega talented when he's committed and, uh, and his head's in the right place. You know, there are so many early surprises. And, you know, we see this, Greg, you know this, in every stinking sport, the overreaction, <laughs> the underreaction, nobody panic, you should panic. Give me a couple of examples. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I, I bet the Islanders, well, I didn't bet the Islanders, I picked the Islanders to win the Stanley oh. Cup. So, you know, I got a level of panic wow. there. I, uh, the fact that uh, a Barry Trotz team currently you know, comes out of the gate in their first two games, the negative seven goal differential, uh, looking all disjointed and such. But uh, listen, they're an extraordinarily well-coached team. Uh, I think they're going to find their game and and uh, and, and figure things out. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised by the start for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, that's a team that I was pretty high on. I thought they had kind yeah. of figured out some of their problems on the blue line. They come out, a couple of their big guns don't score right away, and Connor Hellebuck doesn't have the best start for his season. Um, so I'm a little bit on the negative side surprised there. But on the positive side, I got to tell you something right now. Like, these California teams outside of San Jose are all going to be pretty <laughs> good. And I thought that the Kings were going to be the team that hit the sweet spot of their veteran players and their young players meshing together to become something special and maybe contend for playoffs. But, and it may still happen because obviously Kopitar and Dowdy have gone completely off in the first couple of games on the scoring thing with, you know, the top, the three stars of the week were Kopitar, Stamkos and Alex Ovechkin because it's apparently, you know, 2009. But I've got my eye on the Anaheim Ducks a little bit more than That's I thought team. I would. Yeah. So what did you like about them? They're great. I, you know, I mentioned this earlier and I mentioned it during the broadcast when they played the wild and seven seconds, that's they had, they had them right until Marcus Foligno scored the game winner in regulation, but the, the infusion of youth, Greg, and Emily knows this. I talked to her about it. The infusion of youth has woke up the veterans. The only guy I'm concerned about is I need more from Ricard Raquel, Greg. I mean, I still think yeah. this guy's invisible. He had that one thirty goal year. I think they're going to need more from him. But man, do I love these young players. They are just, you know, and we haven't even seen the best of Zegers yet. I mean, he's been good so far in this small sample size, but he hasn't been great. Obviously, McTavish has been, you know, a guy worth watching, Mason McTavish. And Jamie Drysdale is, just wants to improve and be good. So 
Yeah, I think the instead of the veterans helping the young guys, the young guys are helping the veterans, Greg. I love Mason McTavish. I, I thought that was one of the shrewdest picks in the draft. And you're right. Like, I feel like the Ducks have been on the slab for a little bit. Like, there's just been a corpse there, and it's just <laughs> been sitting there and festering and stinking up. And then all of a sudden, this, like, lightning bolt of these young players, whether it's Zekers or Drysdale or McTavish, uh, comes and, like, the thing, like, you know, zaps back to yeah. life. Um, I, I look at that roster, and I see so many names that have just been sort of atrophying yes. in that market yes. and we've all been wondering like when do they trade Lindholm when do they trade Silverberg when do they trade Raquel yeah. they're all still there and so maybe uh, I will f- I will be more than happy to mea culpa GM Bob Murray if this whole gambit worked out where he holds on to these old guys for as long as he has just because he knew that the youth movement was going to be there but I look at that roster and I'm like you know if Johnny Gibson plays as well oh, as we know he you mean the play, starter for might- Team USA in the Olympics well, I mean, Come there's on. a gentleman up in Winnipeg that may take some issue with that, but uh, but if, I mean, if he plays as well as we know he can play, we've seen him drag worse versions of this Ducks team to the playoffs. Right. They might have something there. All right. I like that theory, except for the fact that if Bob Murray was going to keep all of the veterans around for the right moment, he got rid of the wrong one in Corey Perry. That's my take. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was before he knew Corey Perry was going to be, you know, Corey Perry again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Greg, we so appreciate your time. Where can listeners find your work? Well, you can find it on ESPN.com. Uh, my column runs every Thursday. And uh, much like Emily, you can find different feature stories and all sorts of news things throughout the week. You can watch me on Daily Wager. Uh, I'll be ha- I'll have a, a sports wagering column uh, every, I believe, every other Monday that'll cover hockey. And uh, just here, there, and everywhere, popping on uh, the point now and again, popping on the drop when it comes back with good friend Arda and... Uh, just covering this great game of ours, Emily. There's too many those. <laughs> the and a noun. And, the, yeah. and they all start us down the same. That's why you should just go with, you know, the original name of the Puck Daddy blog with Zamboni Pony. It's still available. What? If we wanted to name something the Zamboni Pony. Yeah, it's true. That's it's a nice shock that hasn't been taken. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Our thanks to Puck Daddy, a.k.a. Greg Wyshynski, for joining us. And Linda... Week ahead, what does it look like for you? Okay, well, you will be uh, gallivanting in your hometown of Chicago Tuesday covering Blackhawks Islanders. Uh, I will be hosting and doing, uh, I'll be hosting In the Crease, not to be confused with the Our Fabulous In the Crease podcast, but the In the Crease hockey highlight show that you can get on ESPN Plus each and every night following each night's action. So I'll be hosting Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then off to Seattle on uh, uh, Friday. I'll also be doing some cut-ins on Tuesday you know, uh, during our two games, one on ESPN, ESPN Plus and your game on ESPN. Uh, so you might be hearing my voice doing highlights, like let's go to the studio and bring in Linda. Linda, what do you have? Hopefully, technically, if everything works out, that's what I'll be, you know, I'll be there for you. I can't wait to hear what you have. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I love the silly things that they say to tee you up. Linda, what you got? Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. And I'll be looking forward to seeing you in between the benches uh, on Tuesday for sure. And like you said, the next time people tune into us, uh, we'll already know how you did. And if the Islanders or the Blackhawks actually won their first game. So looking forward to uh, that. But um, that's all I got. And all right. Before we let you all go, we have to tell you to check out Organized Chaos, an ESPN podcast hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker, Bart Scott. Can't wait. <laughs> the duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday. Linda, you can't wait. Yes, either. of course. And it's going to provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the league, following trending stories on and off the field. 
That's organized chaos. Listen to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so sorry, Bart Scott, but every time I hear your name, I've got to say it. Can't wait.